electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Tyler Matheson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with executives, experts, and thought leaders. Today, you'll hear from Robin Jasuthasan, Mercer Senior Partner and Global Leader for Transformation Services, on the ways robotics can elevate and transform a business. Jasuthasan spoke with my colleague Kate Rogers at CNBC's Small Business Playbook on May 5, 2022, about reinventing work. Here's their conversation. First off, can you just give the audience kind of a broad definition from your point of view of what robotics are and how they work? Sure. When we think about automation, Kate, there's, there's basically three buckets. Um, there's artificial intelligence and machine learning, which I'm sure lots of people have heard about. What they may have not heard as much about are certainly the social and collaborative robotics, which was, which was just shown on that clip a second ago, and robotic process automation, um, which is the automation of many white-collar processes. And I think it's the latter two categories, Kate, that have real relevance to small businesses because it allows them to substitute a lot of back-office work in the case of RPA, um, and there are great providers like UiPath and Automation Anywhere that deliver these robotic process automation bots at a really low cost. Equally, as we saw in that clip a second ago, social robotics, robotics that interact with your customers or your employees, are becoming ever more prominent. And they have a number of great benefits of late. Firstly, some of these robots um, can do multiple things. So if you're in automotive manufacturing, you, you manufacture parts, Instead of a robot just doing assembly, it might also do welding, it might do screw driving, it might move things around. Um, some of these robots can be set up in less than four hours. And the cost, as we just heard a second ago, has just come down precipitously over the last couple of years. Um, some of these high-end robots are selling for less than $20,000 new. Mm. And if you're a small business owner that's watching right now, how do you know if integrating robotics and AI into your business is actually the right fit for you? As you mentioned, costs have come down, but I'd imagine it doesn't work for every business, right? Yeah, you know, I actually think um, there are opportunities for automation in most businesses. Um, the trick, though, is you've got to lead with the work. You know, you can't run out and look for a technology solution and, and try to make it fit, right? You've got to understand the work. And what we found in the research that I've done and in my last two books, that when you start with the work, you actually see three things. You see where a robot could substitute the highly repetitive rules-based work, like we saw with the, um, with the robotified waiter, if you will. Where could the robot actually make your people kind of super productive because it's bringing data to them, it's helping them express empathy, care, communicate with customers better, um, so making them more productive. And what we also find is where the robot identifies opportunities for, for you to take your business to a different place. 
And one question I'm wondering is, you're talking about streamlining the process for workers. I'm thinking about worker happiness and this labor crunch that so many businesses and the market overall has been in for so long. Since you've studied this for so long and, and you're an expert on the topic, I'm curious if you think that robotics and AI are a permanent solution to this ongoing labor issue. Why or why not? Or are they just kind of a piece in, in a larger solution You know that companies should integrate but not necessarily rely on to solve the entire problem? Yeah, you know, I... I think they actually do have a place for the long haul. And, and the reason I say that is, if you think of any business, you're going to perpetually be looking to grow and expand the, both the quantity and the quality of the services you provide. And what we see consistently is, as you do that, the question of how do I make the most of the talent I have? How do I stretch their capacity? And we're seeing this, Kate, particularly right now in this labor shortage. Um, we have a great case study in the book of work that Providence Health um, has done, the hospital system, where with the nursing shortage, they helped, their, they reinvented the role of the nurse, so they were able to save the nurses for the work that was at the top of their license, mm -hmm. while looking for opportunities to automate work that was maybe more repetitive, more rules-based, etc. So I do think that mindset of, you know, looking to make the most of your talent and reinventing your work is, is an opportunity for small businesses. Yeah, and Robin, I know I shared this with you when we were prepping for this session, but Chipotle did a very similar thing with their uh, Chippy robot that's testing making the chips uh, via AI and technology. Um, they got the recipe exactly right, and that was something that that company said its workers you know, didn't enjoy doing because it can be dangerous to stand by a fryer, it can be a bit repetitive. So again, key to happiness is kind of finding the best fit for that technology. But of course, we all know robots can't replace people, right? Are there any skills that you think get lost in transitions like this when you move over to that technology and lean on it too heavily? Yeah, again, I think if you lead with the work, and as you said, right, you know, the stuff that best <laughs> lends itself to substitution is the things that are dirty, dull, and dangerous, not to be too cute about it. But I also think, Kate, it's really important to get your people's voice in this journey of automation, right? Um, because they're the ones closest to the work. They're the ones who can give you the insight into the particular role of automation. And there's two things we see companies do well, the companies that automate do well. One is they give people an incentive to want to participate in reinventing the work. And then secondly, they give them the space for a safe landing. So an opportunity to take on other bodies of work, an opportunity to do something better and different for the organization. And another thought here is getting the team to embrace this technology, not necessarily see it as a threat to their jobs or viability at the company. I'm sure that's kind of a tough needle to thread because people do want work to be more pleasant, perhaps easier, less monotonous, but you also don't want AI or robotics to totally eliminate your position. So how do you walk that line as a company owner and get people to realize that this can be beneficial and not a threat? Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's, there's three things. Um, one is if as an owner leading with the work, so taking the time to understand the work, getting the voice of your employees, um, as I mentioned a second ago, I think giving people the incentive to want to participate in figuring out what's the role of robotics, how could, it, how could we deploy it best so they have a, you know, maybe it's a cash-based incentive to be able to, to, to contribute their knowledge and experience. And then thirdly, the security and the safety of knowing that, you know, as my work is automated, I know my entire job won't disappear, but some of the tasks might. What, what, is, what additional work could I take on that allows me to contribute? So kind of that safety and security of knowing that I'm not kind of volunteering myself out of a role.
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. We talked about the restaurant industry. I know you brought up the hospital as a case study. Any other types of businesses that you think this makes sense at? I know in the beginning you said it kind of can work for everyone, but any other uh, particular case studies or companies you've seen where this works really well? Yeah, I think the two areas with small businesses, Kate, that, that lend themselves well to automation. One is um, in, you know, we've got lots of small and mid-sized manufacturing companies, particularly across the Midwest. Um, with the low falling cost of robots, I think there is a real opportunity for them to, again, substitute um, the, the, the talent that we might have a shortage for with a robot that is probably at a much lower cost and can do the highly repetitive stuff that is not particularly good for us as humans, right? So I think there is that domain. The other is with back office work, you know, accounting, IT, finance, HR, legal. And this is where robotic process automation the work of integrating different data sets, the work of synthesizing and analyzing data, um, you know, you could remove that from your accountant, from your, your paralegal, et cetera. And another question I think a lot of people have is costs. I know at the beginning you mentioned most of these robots, you know, are $20,000 or so or less. I've talked to some companies that rent them, for example. What are some pricing options that you've seen out there? Um, and if you're a small business owner who's watching, how much of a budget should you have in mind if this is something you want to kind of dip your toes in, see if it works for your business? Yeah, Kate, that's a great question. And that's, I think, the beauty of this growing ecosystem of robotics and automation is that you don't just have the providers or the manufacturers. You also have the, the intermediaries who are turning things like, you know, robots into a service. Um, so instead of having to spend $25,000, you could have an operating lease and actually kind of test before you buy. And I think that's a really good way for a small business to understand, you know, what's the experience of working with a robot before making a significant capital outlay. And have you seen any companies get this truly wrong, integrated improperly? Any lessons or takeaways that you can share with the audience from studying this space? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the book that you guys flashed up, Work Without Jobs, which came out last month, one of the case studies in there is of work that we did with a very large organization. It was a, a retailer with a large distribution network. And they made the, um, the mistake that I alluded to at the beginning of leading with the technology. And what they found was they went after a fancy technology solution and it ended up actually requiring more labor, much higher labor cost, because you needed people with specialist maintenance skills. You needed talent who could now operate around the robot and work in different ways. And so I think the lesson learned is, you know, start with the work, really understand the work. And also, as I said a second ago, you know, kind of test before you buy to see what this is going to be like in your business. And then just a final question here before we go. When you and I talked, you mentioned the term upskilling, which I think is something that people are becoming more and more familiar with. I think it's a very important term in this labor market, in this current hiring environment, because that allows you to retrain and upskill uh, lift up the workers you already have on site. How does integrating this technology into your company allow you to do that and perhaps keep people for the long run? Yeah, Kate, I'm so glad you asked that question. You know, we are seeing kind of the, the epicenter of the deal, the thing that attracts people to organizations in all of our research, and Barbara alluded to it as well. 
the need for flexibility, and the need for opportunity to develop and grow. And so as you bring in robotics, ensuring that people see a clear pathway where they can be upskilled for better, more valuable, more rewarding work. I think that really needs to be a part of the equation. So it's not just the pursuit of automation, but the consequences for the talent whose work is going to be affected. Okay, great. Any other final thoughts or learnings that you've had from studying this uh, you know, over the course of your career that you would want people to take away as they consider this technology moving ahead? Yeah, I think the last thing I'd leave you with, Kate, is you know, this is never a one and done, right? The thing that we've seen consistently with the organizations who do it well, they don't separate, transform the business like introducing robotics from run the business, but they have a mindset of perpetual reinvention. So as a business leader, um, continuously questioning and challenging. So we've gotten robotics now. How could we extend it? How could we get talent to make the most of the opportunities that robotics creates? So again, this notion of perpetual reinvention and kind of baking that into the culture of your organization. That was Ravan Jasuthasan, senior partner at Mercer. He's also the author of the new book, Work Without Jobs. He joined us at CNBC's Small Business Playbook on May 5th, 2022. The keynote is produced by the CNBC events team. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share with your friends. You can visit CNBCEvents.com to learn about upcoming events and how you can join us. I'm Tyler Matheson. Thanks so much for listening. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.